Welcome to the Paywall Podcast, where we discuss paywalls and paywall strategies. We will talk with some of the publishers that we work with at Zine 101, the things that work and the things that don't. There's so many amazing things you can do in the digital world as a publisher to not only increase your digital subscriptions, but also engage your audience. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Pete, and welcome to episode 11 of the Paywall Podcast. I am with Hal Nidzwiecki from Toronto, Canada, who is the publisher of Broken Pencil Magazine. And today we're going to talk about two very interesting things. One is uh, Hal brought online uh, digital subscriptions and set up a paywall, also brought on real web issues for his print publication. And uh, secondly, hopefully we'll have time to talk about um, your virtual canzine uh, event, which is typically a, a real uh, annual event, but it went virtual this year. And I think a lot of publishers would be really interested in hearing about how that uh, process went. So um, welcome, Hal. Hello, Pete. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. Um, now, uh, you're in Toronto. You're the publisher of uh, Broken Pencil Magazine. So what I know so far is that you're kind of like a publisher of, you know, appealing to other publishers. Your, your crowd uh, are independent arts publishers, uh, generally in Canada, I think. And uh, your mission seems to be to help those independent publishers uh, succeed in the world of, of uh, publishing. This could be comic book publishers uh, uh, and other arts style publishers. And uh, you have your own uh, print publication uh, and digital publication called uh, Broken Pencil Magazine. How, how'd I do? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, overall, we've got... Um... A magazine that we've been running since 1995 in fact uh, hmm. so we're, we're getting up there um, and it, it's a magazine devoted to independent uh, and underground publishing projects uh, on the page so printed printed publishing hmm. uh, so zines is sort of the common terminology out there now which basically means sort of a independently created mini magazine, usually done on a not-for-profit basis. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and that's what we kind of celebrate, are those little mini underground independent publications that proliferate all over uh, the world, often without, you know, a, a lot of people knowing that this is a, a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's, you know, there's all kinds of, of micro publications out there ranging from just sort of rants to comics to beautiful art projects uh to kind of people devoted to uh, pol uh political change or or social issues um hmm. lots and lots of arts uh and culture going on as well uh, and we just have you know a lot of fun with it and and exist to to really promote this idea that anybody can be part of the media anyone can uh publish and contribute to their the fabric of their community and their society uh by by getting their voice out there and you know we celebrate that 
Yeah, that's that's cool. It's not, it looks like you have a lot of fun. I'm getting your your magazine now uh, myself, and and you have there's a lot of creativity uh, out there, and it seems like there are hundreds, at least hundreds and hundreds of independent arts publishers, maybe into the thousands uh, around you. And probably oh, yeah, there's, there's thousands. I mean, in Canada and the U.S. alone, there's there's probably at least, you know, somewhere in the range of 3000 itinerant publishers hmm. coming up. Uh, you know, people will put out a few zines or a few comics, uh, then they might stop for a few years and they might come back to it. So it's it's very irregular. And that's part of what makes it fun. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not your you know this is not your sports illustrated or whatever right. <laughs> your time magazine you know this is very personal projects that people want to want to do uh but some people have been going for for a long time and are like super consistent uh and and even have kind of a larger fan base but for the most part uh it's it's something that people do for 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 love and because they want to they want to get something out there and they want it to be tangible and visible in their community, uh, which is, you know, uh, different from just throwing up a blog or 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 ha starting a you know really exciting Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where and that's where print leads. Right. Like like paper, um, the, the, the artistic craft lands on paper and that that what has that's what has the impact even in this digital world yeah i think so and i mean it has a tremendous staying power uh in the sense that in the early 2000s when kind of we were just being absolutely uh demolished by the onset of digital mm -hmm. and everyone said you know this is it this is it for newspapers this is this is it for magazines uh and in our kind of world that people were saying well who's going to make zines now who's going to make little uh underground print projects when you can just put something up on the internet mm -hmm. uh and and reach a global audience uh well didn't work out that way uh in fact more people now are turning back to to print projects uh, than ever because uh, the digital sphere is is turned out to be much more isolating uh, and limited than we thought it would be. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not only is there sort of a, a massive corporate infrastructure that that you have to attach yourself to if you want to publish online. Uh, not to mention you know increasing censorship and and uh ad delivery systems that are watching everything you you write and put up there mm. um but you also have uh just that lack of intimacy that lack of being able to put something in someone's hand or in someone's mailbox uh and they have that object and they see the care and love that that you've put into that and they feel it uh and that that makes them have a different appreciation for uh your creation than you know if i just said to you here's the link mm, right so I, I just the thing that jumps into my head is you have a lot of small print publishers how are and and this is a question that we get from from publishers all the time is especially if they're digital only and they're thinking about print are they is there uh and maybe in canada and in the U.S., are there resources for small batch printing for 
for uh, you know small oh, publisher. Sure. I mean, there's a there's tremendous uh, you know the reason that that the zine revolution came into being uh, was because of the rise of easily accessible low cost alternatives to web offset printing. Mm. Uh, so you have you had the Gestetner, if anyone remembers that. <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh, and then you had the photocopier, and the photocopier was a revolution. Um, so most of our uh, people uh, are photocopying. Interesting. Uh, you know, you can go to uh, whatever a, a local outfit, or even a you know a bigger outfit. Um, that that does corporate publishing and and say hey make me 200 of this mm, mm. Uh, 200 of a 16 page zine that's not going to cost you very much mm. uh you know that and and you can you can build up from there so some people are uh publishing very beautifully in very small editions mm. uh, and it just is something that you can move up or down the price scale. Uh, there's tremendous uh, opportunities now for sort of small, uh, small runs of really fancy things if you want to do that. Mm. Uh, you know, there's just no, there's no uh, shortage of things you can do, um, and people willing to to do that because of the technologies are so different now. Like it used to be. Well, if we're going to put something on the press, mm. uh, you know, it takes so much effort. The the lowest amount of copies you you would want to make uh, would be, you know, a thousand or two thousand copies. But right. now it's uh, you can you can really do uh, you can you can do a, a small run. You could do 200, 300 copies and and have a reasonable amount of um of uh, cost right. versus revenue. I mean, you're, you know, this isn't how to, this isn't a way to get rich. Uh, yeah. But if, if it's your passion, yeah, uh, then for sure. That's cool. How'd you get into this, by the way? Hmm. Well, I'm a writer. Uh, I I write books. That's my sort of my main thing, uh, <laughs> you could say. Yeah. Um, so. When I was a, a younger man writing kind of a lot of strange stuff, uh, little stories and, and, you know, kind of avant-garde work, I started discovering zines and, and, and really small literary magazines and journals. Um, and I started publishing in those places. And then I realizing that, that publication was uh great but it, it 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 was difficult because nobody could find these publications mm -hmm. yeah. uh and this is pre-internet right i'm 50 now so <laughs> uh this is when i was kind of you know in my in my early 20s um so i decided that i would uh kind of start a magazine that would make this more uh, accessible to people and, and sort of spread the idea of independent publishing and underground writing and uh, and just make it you know make make it possible to find these things a lot easier um, and so that's how we started Broken Pencil. That's cool so you saw the need people just they were publishing cool stuff and 
but doing it all wrong as far as promotion or getting getting out there. Yeah, I mean, there was just very limited opportunities if you didn't have any money, yeah. uh, you know, in this, and especially in the pre-internet age, uh, mm. you can't just post on your on your Facebook page and let people know you've done something. Right. And here's how here's where to find it. Uh, you know, you could go around to a few small stores that would carry these these things. They might take a few copies. Uh, so it was pretty hard to to get the word out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, things like broken pencil were were really helpful in that way. So let's that's a good segue to the to the website itself. Um, mm-hmm. So you you when I met you, which was a uh, year plus ago, I can't remember when we we worked on your site. Maybe it was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we did a we did version one and then version two. Right. <laughs> Right. We, we were involved in version two. Um, I, so version one, you had, um, and I know with Kanzine and your events and your, your awards, you're really, you're really showcasing your publishers as much as you can mm-hmm. get that exposure go, going. And if I remember correctly, you had a print subscription running on, the, on version one of your site. Uh, and then we, we talked about doing two things. One is really kind of putting a full subscription service on there and, and paywalling the content. And two, sort of in tandem with that is putting all your premium content on the web as well um, so that it would be available digitally as well, of course, as print. And then the paywall would, you know, with leaky paywall would, would uh, encourage people to subscribe. Right. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, we had a bunch of, uh, quite a lot of content online, but we weren't hiding it uh, behind paywalls, uh, and we were not kind of making uh, use of the fact that we had, you know, thousands and thousands of, of zine, book, and comic reviews going all the way back to 1995. Right, right. 19, yeah, so you had a, you had, you had a lot. and. You had what were they PDFs? Um, yeah, we had PDFs mostly. Uh, we had sent out a lot of our early issues um, before before there was such a thing as uh, Adobe, you know, uh, a design and and all that stuff, uh, desktop design. Uh, we had sent out a bunch of of you know we had we digitalized a ton yeah. of issues. Yeah. Digitalized, digitized. Yeah. Let's go with that. And yeah, and then we had just glut of content uh, to get up on the web. I mean, I, you know, we always, we actually had one of the first websites uh, for, a, for a culture magazine in Canada. We started our website, I, I believe in 1996. Um, hmm. So we always, you know, had that web presence, but we didn't really know what to do with it in terms of how do we how do we reach reach customers? Right, right, right. And that's yeah, I remember that's what we talked about was you know getting more Google traffic and social sharing all that through putting the actual content on the on the website instead of just having a PDF. Um, you'd have like real web articles that Google could index, and that. We did that through our issue M uh, software, so that you could have 
you know, the web articles, which would be shared and social, socially, um, uh, be socially shared, found in search. And then we attached uh, now Flipbooks. If you go to the site, you can, if you're a paid subscriber, you can open the Flipbook and read that version as well. That's right. And if you're not a paid subscriber, you can sign up for sort of an introductory. Oh, I think you just faded out, Hal. And check out one one flipbook version of the uh, of the print edition. So it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool system because you you know no risk and you can go and uh, actually read the whole magazine. Right. Let me just back up a little because you you blipped out for a second. So I'm I'm looking at the site now and you have a it's a free free level subscription where once you run out of your your uh, sort of casual couple of casual articles then you can sign up and get six free premium articles each month uh, and then of course once you exhaust that then you pay for full access so right you get you get the six articles but you also get one one issue uh yeah. of the flip book that's which a, is that's a great is cool. and so how's that working for you that that sort of free registration paid uh uh subscription model yeah, I mean, it seems to be uh, working really well, uh, you know, in terms of just pure revenue growth, which is, you know, let's get down to the nuts and bolts. <laughs> uh, revenue is up and, and we can get into the, the exact details of, of that, what I mean by that. Um, and general, you know, we're able to track more readers and uh, mm -hmm. and sort of see that yeah they're signing up uh, they're 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 signing up for that free tier yep um, and you know we can see that and that obviously that gives us their address and their email um, and so we can you know we can work on on seeing if they're they're interested down the road uh, mm -hmm. and that sort of now that we've got four months of the of this running um we can start kind of doing a little bit of experimenting on what's going to get these uh what's going to get these free signups to uh to move to paid right what kind of offer can we can we bring to them um so but you know one of the things that was really interesting is that um we did not get nearly as many free signups uh, as I thought we would, um, compared to the increase in paid signups, mm. paid subscribers. Mm. Interesting. What would you say your percentage is as far as free versus paid when, you know, month to month so far? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I did a, a an initial analysis of the first month, which was sort of November to December 2020. Uh, this is that we had this system sort of fully up and running and we had uh about 14 15 16 16 subscriptions versus 12 uh free access signups wow so you know we had you know it wasn't wasn't it was probably like 60 40 um and i was just 
just before I talked to you, of course, I, you know, left everything to the last minute. <laughs> I ran another, uh, I, I ran a, a comparison on the quarter of November 1st, 2020 to the end of February 2021 and looked at the numbers on that. Um, but I forgot to look at how many signups we had on the free mm. side. I only looked at the money side. Mm. Um, so, but I can tell you on the money side, the, the, the growth continues in terms of, uh, of subscription growth when I compare it to where we were a year ago. That's great. That's and great. I can, you know, so, I mean, I looked at the actual kind of percentages. Uh, so in, in terms of our just pure, like new reoccurring revenue mm. uh, compared to the, these four months, December, to the end of February versus a year ago, same four months. Yeah, uh, we're we're up sixty two percent. That's a good number. Yeah, so I mean that's a you know this isn't uh, we're not talking about a kind of a small mm. uh, change. We're talking about a a, a pretty impressive change, um, and you know, in terms of just sort of the net amount of money being spent. Uh, we're up 33%. So again, it's a it's a pretty good looking number. And so now you're selling, if I go to the site, I see you offer both digital subscriptions and print subscriptions. Mm -hmm. How does that break down? So you're, you know, you're putting you're putting all your content on the web. That's that's like a magnet for search and sharing. Great. Now people are ready to pay. Are they going for digital? Are they going for print? Because uh, they want the print product? Uh, I know you have a you have a premium offering as well, like a premium plus offering. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if you went for the regular subscription, that would include all digital access. Right. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind when we get into these numbers. Um, basically, uh, you know, we added a lot of of print mm -hmm. and a lot of premium. And a small number of digital, interesting in, the, in those four months, and and I think this gets back to what we were talking about earlier. Is there is uh, in our community, there's a love of print, mm. uh, and it's you know we're celebrating print culture. So I think a lot of people want to connect with the print culture and and see the actual magazine. Yep. Yeah. So you're, yeah, it's a, you're leveraging a digital mechanism to ultimately sell more print is what's happening here. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, the printed, the print edition is, is it's beautiful where, you know, we've, we've moved to full color where we're, we've uh, sort of upgraded our, our design uh, standards from previous uh, years when we were, you know, when we first started, we were more of a really kind of like, punk rock looking <laughs> uh yeah. and it's a, so it's nice it's an it's nice to get that in the mail um you know on the other hand we we can now offer a, a pretty affordable three dollars and fifty cents a month uh completely digital access to everything we've done since 1995 so that's you know that's that's if 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 you don't want to bother with print, if you don't want to 
want to spend the money or you don't have the money or you know you just you just want to get what you want to get quickly uh it's cool to have that option um but i also you know definitely am seeing that our readership is attracted to the print and the and the and the premium models yeah it's that's 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 really interesting one of the things I've noticed uh, over time, uh, the last few months, is, you, is you've been adding more back issues to the site. So mm -hmm. When we first, I remember we first launched. I, I don't know, you had maybe a year or two years worth of of issues that were loaded up as real real web articles, you know, that you could you could go to and, uh, um, and you know read on mobile and and search friendly and all that. But then, you know, I checked a few weeks ago, and I lo and behold, I noticed that you had almost doubled it seemed like the number of, of back issues that you had loaded up uh, onto the site. And, and I'm not sure if it's a mix of web articles and flip books or whatnot, but have, have you noticed any, any uh, change in, in traffic or subscriptions um, or, you know, any sort of feedback on, on, gee, you have more, more content available? Um, yeah, really interesting. I mean, I've noticed, um, and in fact, I until you have pointed that out, I wasn't really connecting the dots, um, which is that in fact our 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 number of people subscribing to the free level is increasing um, versus uh, well, you know, our paid is is also increasing, um, and it's too early to kind of see where it's all going to settle out because we're only four months in, um, but in the last month. We've definitely had, so even in the last kind of, uh, you know, if I'm looking just at March, so whatever, 10 days, uh, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, real-time data here. Uh, you know, we've got something in the range of 10 people have signed up to uh, for the free level. Yep, yep. Um, by comparison, in the first month, uh, we only had 10 people signed up for the free level uh, in the first month of operation. So, so we're seeing an increase in that as we put more and more content on that people want to access. Is is the way I'm I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. sure. I don't. I mean, you may you may have a different interpretation of why we're seeing that increase now. Well, so I excuse me. I went to the uh, to the archives and I just dug in just to see what your back issues are doing and. and what you're doing is your, or what you have done is loaded up um, a lot of your old, you know, flip books to, which is a quick way to, to, you know, create the issue, upload the flip book. Um, and so there's definitely more available. Now, if I, as a reader, go into an archives and I see, you know, that there's a lot there, then of course that's super enticing, right? I mean, I just, I mean, I'm scrolling down your your archives and it, I just keep scrolling. There's, there's a lot, there's, I, I, like I said before, it's probably twice as much. Um, you know, one of the things that you could, you could do of course is, is, uh, you know, migrate those, those flipbook articles or PDF articles into real web articles at some point, you know, um, we have, we do have some publishers that do that over time. They'll publish an issue going forward and then each month they have an issue going forward. Then they publish an issue going backwards. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, we're what we're doing right now is getting all the issues into the system. Uh, and then I'm, we're going to 
yeah, bring all the all the articles individually and assign them to those issues. So so you can go all the way back to 1995 and and read the issue, uh, you know, and click on articles. Um, so that that will take a little while, just because mm. some of that is going to have to be done by hand. Yep. Um, yep. Because quite a bit of the material is already in the site. It's just not arranged correctly. <laughs> it's just it's free floating. Yeah. It's free floating data that that is impossible to find. So we, we're gonna we're gonna have to go through and and you know, and search by uh, by kind of titles and stuff to start assigning to specific issues. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, I think, you know, I think when you just click on those, you click on that, that sort of back issues button and you go down a really long way, although, you know, and and we haven't even gotten everything in there yet. So I, I think it's impressive for people. And you know when we we were setting up the new site, we were discussing what should the tagline be, mm. uh, and and we all sort of were like, well, we want to emphasize that we have you know literally fifteen thousand zine reviews, right. Uh, right? And and so we ended up going with that tagline: fifteen thousand zine reviews and growing. It's impressive. Yeah. And, you know, every just to kind of pull up on that, you know, every article that you do bring live and on the Web is, is a magnet for a specific, you know, Google search and, and 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 you know, promotes sharing. And I know we talked about this before, but there's there's some low cost options for uh, like if you have an issue that's only on a PDF and you don't have it on the Web at all. You know, to get somebody to copy and paste, you know, all the articles and issue, you know, it's 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 many hours of work to format it and get it right. But if you want uh, somebody offshore to do it, you know, just remind me and I can send you that that info. Yeah, um, I mean, we have sort of a plan. Uh, we do get a lot of interns, <laughs> a lot of a lot of glorious uh, student labor yeah. that come from the various uh, publishing programs um, in in the Toronto area. Uh, So we put them to work on some of this stuff as well as, you know, more inspirational material for them. Uh, Uh, That's good. So, yeah, you know, it's patience. Also, you know, we're a small cultural magazine that is a not-for-profit and and funded by... uh, various sources, uh, particularly the Canadian government, um, go Canada. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, our, our prior, we, we're, we, we, we move a little slower uh, and a little more patiently than maybe, you know, a, a for-profit company might move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we play the long game, right? <laughs> That's the only and, way to go. Right. And sometimes I'll, I have a project like this one, and I know it's going to take probably a year to get it all sorted out. Um, so hopefully I, I can come back in a year and tell you um, tell you what what happened to our numbers when we had yeah. issues. Oh. One to 80, you know, one to, one to 95 all on the line, all uh, accessible as as web articles. Yeah, well, it's all 
you know, it's all part of, and this is this is sort of a print versus digital mentality as far as marketing goes, where um, you know you're 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 sort of executing an in an inbound lead strategy for your paid subscribers. And what does that mean? That means that you know every article that you publish on the web, not in a PDF form or flipbook form, but an actual web article gets a you know gets is a magnet for google search so it, it's attracting google search it's also getting shared in social media and uh and that's 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 really that's really inbound right whereas the traditional print world you know pre-internet was always about you know sending mailers out you know outbound marketing so you get a list and 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 uh I've learned recently about all about the lists that are available uh, in mm -hmm. the US especially, you know, it's just so much and the, the databases are enormous and you can buy these databases and mail out to them, physical mail and, and, and it's all outbound. And <clears throat> I know that, you know, I talked to a lot of publishers that haven't really made that bridge yet where they're, they're printing and it could be a, you know, like a weekly news publisher or a magazine publisher and they're promoting and, and they're, 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 they're just constantly pushing outwards, but they're not really looking at the opportunity of the inbound side. And that's, and that's where you're getting your content on the web and letting Google do its magic, letting social sharing do its magic, capturing that email address, which, which is what you're doing with that free subscription. And then now, now you have the email address. Now, of course, you're mailing them back every, every month with your new content. So now you're, now you're going from inbound back to outbound, you know, cause now you're sending emails straight to the, to those free, you know, and paid subscribers uh, and, and staying in touch with them. So there's a whole new, there's a whole new loop like marketing loop that I think publishers are learning that you're now well down, like you're set up for, for making all that happen. And now yeah, yeah, absolutely. it all kind of fine tune it, you know, and, you know, we did, uh, we have done the outbound experiment, uh, and it's a, it's a huge outlay of money mm. for a pretty small uh, return. Mm. Uh, that old way of doing things where you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll send an offer to thousands of people uh, and, and you get this incredibly small return. Mm. Uh, but uh, you do it because that used to be the only way to do it. Right. You know, what, what else could you do? Right. Um, and so this gives you another tool, especially if you are like us, a low income kind of operation mm. uh, where you don't have, you know, we don't have a, a, even a $50,000 uh, marketing budget. Right. Right. You know, and the kind of things that we're talking about, if you're going to buy lists and send out a lot of uh, fancy, fancy uh, promotions with business reply mail and the whole business, you know, right. You, you're, if to make that work, you, you, you need to spend a lot of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That, and that's that's tough because you don't have the relationship either when you're pushing out like that where. Like t today, the modern the modern savvy digital consumers, you know, you got to start a, a digital relationship, which is when they give you their email address, that's the start of the relationship, right? Well, yeah, actually, yeah. when they land on your site is when is the start of the relationship, and then, you know, they level up by giving you an email address, and then you give them something in return, like free free access, limited access, 
and then then uh, hopefully you know at some point and it's like farming right like you know they get your content now every month and then at some point they want to access it they're really interested in yeah exactly and it's all you know it's also worth noting that since we moved to the leaky paywall model uh we have increased our newsletter signups considerably mm. um so we're you know we we have a substantial change per month in right. how many people are signing up to the newsletter um, outside of anything else, like uh, signing up for a free trial, yep. uh, you know, six six articles in a free issue, uh, flipbook issue. So you know, it all it all comes together. Do you and, monetize your email? Do you have a, do you have sponsors for your your advertisers for your email? Uh, we do have that option, and we don't get, you know, a huge amount of people taking that option. But uh, sometimes, probably two or three times a year, uh, we'll 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 have sponsors for our newsletter. Um, you know, again, it's it's we don't have a a kind of person who goes out there and and says, hey, right. you know, <laughs> right. come on, let's uh, advertise with us. Um, right. So. They it's a word. It's more of a word of mouth kind of thing, um, but you know we've been going for so long, and and we have uh, a lot of dedicated readers, and so we you know we do have uh, a solid almost twenty thousand people on our on our mailing list, mm. um, and uh, and it's just been growing more and more with with this new website. Um, Cool. And more, and higher traffic and everything. Well, put a put a banner up on your next email that says this this space available. <laughs> yeah, we sh actually we should. You know, we really should. We've been. Uh, it's uh, one of those things where you start a magazine because you love the arts, um, <laughs> right. and then you you know and, uh, and and that's me and I'm still writing books and and right. and you know fo focused on that and focused on the content. Uh, but you, you also have to learn the business side and, and, uh, you know, I've become a much more savvy publisher, mm. uh, but there's still, you know, every day I find out something, something that I could be doing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, that could trigger somebody who just emails you and says how much, you know? And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's again, it's one of those things where a lot of our advertisers want to be in the magazine. Mm. They want they want print. Uh, right. Which is probably different from, you know, what we what 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 a lot of, uh, you know, publications are seeing. Right. Um, but, but our advertisers are like, no, you know, give us give us a give us the back page. Give us the back cover. Right. Um, Interesting. Because that's you know that's that's sort of where where our readers respond. Yeah. Cool. All right, so <clears throat> let's switch gears a little bit here now. I really want to talk about your canzine. So this sure. is your, this is your annual event, and I think what's really really interesting, and I you know I thought when when you were actually having the event, I kind of poked in and out a little bit, but there seemed to be so much going on, I almost felt a little overwhelmed. But what was cool is that. You have um, you have a, this annual and correct me if I'm wrong. You have an annual event. It's a it's an it's a um, you know in in person event, traditional event where uh, your crowd, the uh, zine publishers, get together and you do awards and you feature and you know do workshops and stuff like that. But this year, this past year, of course, because of um, COVID, um, you couldn't do it like 
uh, zillion other publishers couldn't have a live event. And as far as I can tell, most publishers kind of just put the brakes on and didn't do anything. Um, but you were one of the few publishers that said, you know what, we're going to do a virtual canzine event. And so I, I kind of want to dig in a little bit into, um, you know, if you could kind of give a little more background to what your, your you know, real in-person in event is like, and then what you did differently or what you did to create a virtual event. Um, sure, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a, you know, a, a kind of an amazing thing. Uh, so Canzine was our kind of... Um, a festival that we started, uh, and one of you know one of the reasons we started Canzine was as a as a marketing tool for the magazine. Uh, for all the reasons we just discussed, we didn't have the kind of money you need to to kind of do direct mail or anything like that or buy advertising. So we we started our own sort of grassroots festival in Toronto, and we'd we would gather the zine publishers in a in a hall, and people would come in and they would walk through. Uh, Mm -hmm. and admire the all the different underground publishing going on buy stuff uh and at the same time of course we would sell them uh a subscription to broken pencil uh, or, right. or an issue or at least try to get their their email right. um we had different you know we every year we tried some new new tactic uh mm -hmm. and it, and generally it worked great and it became uh, it took on a life of its own and eventually sort of canzine uh ended up becoming uh its own entity although still affiliated with the magazine and we started doing canzines in four or five different cities a year um mm. so in addition to toronto we were doing vancouver ottawa and uh trying to do a pop-up city that that wasn't big enough to do every year mm -hmm. um, but you know, just bring the bring the flavor to uh, to a smaller place. Yeah. Um, so obviously, we were faced with no canzine, which was both a budgetary uh, concern because canzine was one of those things that drives traffic, interest, and subscriptions to the magazine, uh, mm. and also uh, an important part of the. Uh, the publishers, all our underground independent publishers, counted on Canzine to to make money. Mm. Uh, so we didn't want to let them down either. Right. Um, so we we went to the arts councils, uh, which we have in Canada. I think we've mentioned this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know they they were uh, giving out special grants uh, for this kind of thing. We said, hey, we, we got to figure something out. Um, and we we got some extra money from them to develop uh, a virtual canzine. Hmm. And what we ended up doing was sort of creating a, a world of canzine um, where we had, I think we had something in the range of 250 vendors, mm -hmm. um, which, was, which is usually what we would have in Toronto. And then we'd have... Uh, you know, another 200 in Vancouver and a, a hundred in Ottawa and so on and so forth. So it was still smaller than what we would normally be doing. Um, but it was better than nothing. Right. Right. And we put all those vendors into our virtual world and you could go and they each had their own individual page where they could sell their products. Um, and everything went through, um, 
through a um help me out here went through shopify there we go got it right Uh, so everything was automatic and the you know what we really did differently from what a lot of people were trying to do uh was we made it one giant cart uh, which was which was really important because people don't want to go and pay shipping and uh, charges and fees mm-hmm. for for fifteen different uh, shops, right? And log in fifteen times and create fifteen accounts and right. uh, so we centralized it all, and that that was what uh, led to maximum buying. Mm. Uh, and then we all, we had all kinds of digital events. We had panel discussions. We had readings. You know, we had mm. we had just like fun, weird things. Like you could click and get your zine horoscope. You know, cool. Uh, cool. And it just was uh, it, it was a uh, went much better than I thought it would. That's for sure. Um, in terms of the um, in terms of the overall response. So. Um, when you say one giant card, um, did, did each uh, vendor have essentially their own product page on there? Is that is that the way it worked? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it was one massive hellish data upload uh, <laughs> where we had to upload 250 exhibitors, each one selling up to 10 products. Mm, and you know, and each one would want to have uh, the cover of the product, a few inside pages, and the whole business. Right. Not to mention the price, the dimensions, the weight. Right. Uh, right. Because you had to figure out some of the shipping stuff too. So, uh, so that was really the 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 most, uh, you know, the 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 technical challenges lay in that. Interesting. Um, and, how did you feed traffic to the 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 vendors uh, product pages? Um, um, well, I'm not sure. Maybe rephrase the question. Um, so you know, I, there was a. I think I saw the section where you could go and kind of browse vendors, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And I'm just wondering if there was if there was any other pushes to a vendor's like product page, like. Were there call outs during the the virtual uh, during the events or discussions or were there emails sent or, or oh yeah 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 so it was heavily marketed um you know we do have a, a pretty okay marketing budget for for canzine generally mm-hmm. um by you know by not-for-profit arts event standards <laughs> <laughs> So we, uh, yeah, we did everything. We had emails, we had uh, Twitter, we had Facebook ads, we had Google uh, ads, um, and then we had our secret weapon, which is our publishers. So if you have 250 um, people out there promoting themselves and the event as a whole, uh, that's a huge. That's a huge help for you, right? Uh, right, because they all have web pages, email lists, right. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They all have that stuff. So each one of them could potentially be reaching. You know, a, you could think, okay, maybe they're going to reach fifty people. Some of them might be reaching a thousand or two thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great. so you have to harness the the power of the collective. 
and give them the tool. So we were, you know, giving them little ads and and banners and things they could download and and you know hashtag canzine and all that stuff. Uh, yep. And and just you know we kept feeding them. Oh, you know, you can now you can tell your audience that at the canzine we're also going to be having zine horoscopes you know and here's a little graphic mm. uh leading up to the event so you, you know uh, it, part of it is just uh the enthusiasm that people have uh for for canzine which is just such a great event um and part of it is is a little bit of canny marketing where you you harness the power of the collective and get them to do do the work. Mm, right. Right. Yeah. That's great. Of course you get the distribution channels running. Um, how did you handle shipping? Like how, how, so if I ordered, you know, from three different vendors, that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> this was the, the, the worst aspect and the least considered aspect, <laughs> uh, because we had this sort of, I, I had a vague idea that we would, get all this material in, in and uh and it would take a few days and we'd send it all out um but i wasn't counting on the fact that we ended up with you know almost a thousand orders mm. uh for each one having you know five to thirty items in it Mm. Uh, and some of those items were tiny little stickers that were sold for a dollar. <laughs> wow. uh, so we were not prepared for that. Um, and it took a lo it took much longer than, you know, we should, it should have taken. It took, it took about six months to, uh, <laughs> to get, and then we also have two P.O. boxes, one in Canada and one in the United States. Right. We couldn't get to the U.S. post office no. because of COVID. Yeah. Um, furthermore, I was planning on hiring, you know, t a bunch of students, uh, getting a bunch of volunteers and interns and the whole business to help us with this. Uh, we couldn't we couldn't do any of that because of COVID. Right. Um, so. It it just ended up taking forever. Right. Uh, just just getting the packages from the U.S. took two months, um, and uh, and you know then it was just there were just a few a few people who who could go into the office and 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 prepare packages while socially distancing uh, <laughs> and and being safe and the whole business. So it was tough. We got a lot of angry emails. Um, yeah, you know, three months in, like, <laughs> where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? Uh, luckily, you know, we're we're not selling uh, uh, prescription medicines. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're not we're not selling anything that people need to get right away. Right. Uh, and if you if you got your zine package four months later, well, you know, I apologize, but. Yeah. It's also in the in the grand scheme of of what we're going through in the world. Yeah. Uh, right. It's not. It, well, it, it, you know, people people calm down after an initial sort of outrage period. Yeah. So you, you, earlier you said um, that your expectations for for virtual canzine was kind of low, and once you went through it, you ex it exceeded your expectations. What 
what what exactly about it, <clears throat> do, it made it better than you thought? And to follow up with that, you know, would you do it again? Um, well, first of all, we are we are doing it again. Uh, <laughs> we're doing a spring canzine in association with the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, uh, which is North America's biggest comics festival. Uh, and they usually have, you know, a huge, huge crowd that comes to Toronto every year uh, to see uh, their favorite literary comic artists. You know, we're talking about... Um, uh, people who are doing sort of graphic novels and that kind of things. We're not right. talking about superhero stuff here. Yep. Um, and uh, so they, you know, they usually have this huge audience. And of course, last year they had to cancel. And this year we we said to them, "Don't cancel." You know, we did this thing with Canzine. It worked. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, let's use our platform to do this. Uh, this yeah. platform that we built. Um, so we, we we're partnering with them and we're doing a smaller canzine uh, and and they're doing a huge thing using our platform. So they're going to have you know 350 uh, book publishers Ooh. and comics, literary comics publishers up there, um, and we're going to do a small canzine on the side. Uh, and yeah, you know the big the big thing that I was really surprised by was that people spent you know almost $50,000 hmm. uh, at the zine fair, um, which I just was not prepared for that level of, of, of commerce. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know, you just don't think because we could reach a global audience instead of a local audience, hmm. uh, that's a, you know, you're making a, uh, you're making a big leap in terms of, of how many customers you have. How does that compare uh, to previous years in person, the commerce? Side? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it, that's that would probably be the amount of money that was spent at all four festivals. Huh. Wow. Uh, as opposed to just sort of one one festival with the amount of, of publications that would normally just be at Toronto. Um so it was a, you know, it was a, it was a big, a big spend, a lot of traffic, mm. thousands and thousands of people dropping by, which again, you know, at the Toronto Kansine, we would usually expect to get a thousand people. Mm. Um, so this event had more like 10,000 people. Wow. Wow. Uh, of course, it's all over the world, people dropping in and, you know, it's a, it's just a different feeling. Right. Right. Um, you know, to get to get a thousand people in your city to all come to one place is actually really hard to do, <laughs> uh, and and a, and a huge achievement to get ten thousand people to all come somewhere on the internet right. is not is not as big an achievement, um, but it can be you know in the right circumstances uh, uh, a lot of fun and you know I mean in terms of profitability. Uh, this is this was not a particularly profitable thing because we had to build an entire elaborate mm. system. Mm. Um, but now that we have this platform, right, uh, we can have a lot of fun with it. Right. Um, you right. know, and and so we're we're just adding new aspects to it and learning how to make it a little bit more uh, 
uh, friendly for us. So, for instance, we're partnering with a, a fulfillment company this time. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not going to try to ship out, you know, a hundred thousand dollars of orders of of, yeah. of graphic novels. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Smart. <laughs> uh, and we're also we're also upgrading the uh, the inputs so that the publishers can do more themselves yeah. in terms of, of putting in uh, covers and those kinds of things. And, Got it. Yeah. and finally, yeah. and to me, the most important thing we're saying, you know, you can't, you can't have any dollar or $2 products. Uh, um, interesting. interesting. Because it's uh, financially not, not, it's a, it's a loss for, for, us to to try to ship something that only cost a dollar yeah yeah right uh you know when you're when you realize that it doesn't matter if it costs a dollar someone still has to dig it out find it put it in an envelope yeah yeah you know Interesting. It, it, so we said look you know you gotta kind of bundle if you want to sell stickers you gotta make a, a package of 10 or whatever yeah right uh, so that you 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 lower the workload on the shipping side. So it's all learning. It's all it's all fun. You know, in terms of the 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 magazine, we we offer different things where uh, if you spent a certain amount of money, you, you could you would automatically qualify for a for a subscription to Broken Pencil. Mm. Um, we also had a tip function, saying, look, if you you know if you leave us a ten dollar tip. We're gonna we're gonna hook you up with a with an intro subscription to Broken Pencil. So lots of fun things to do there as well. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Wow. That that's that's juicy tips right there, Hal. Um, so if uh, I'll, I'll leave you with a final question. I know you have to run soon. Um, is there any other than the product side of shipping and fulfillment and you know getting content loaded and all that which sounds like going to be a big improvement um is there anything on the on the you know sort of the workshop discussion side that you took away as as uh hey this this really worked um you know you had i know it was it was a couple of days i think you ran um uh, yeah it was four days we ran it yeah four days yeah so it was, a, it was kind of a long session um and you did like had lots of different uh workshops and things going on anything there that struck gold for you you know that you thought oh wow that was really popular mm -hmm. well yeah i mean you know one thing I, i'll say is we did not um have the best method for analytic collection mm. uh, so don't do that people make sure you're collecting the analytics so you actually know where people went yeah. <laughs> yep yeah because the way we the way it was set up and and i don't i don't even know the technical terms but it was sort of set up with a kind of a video game platform um mm -hmm. and so it was not uh we weren't able to tell specifically where people went oh. in terms of the events and how long they spent oh. um but what we did do uh is we pre-recorded everything. We didn't do any live events okay. um, because we just weren't sure of the technologies, mm. uh, and we just didn't have the, you know, <laughs> we just didn't feel like right. uh, we had the 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 people power 
to yeah. to, to monitor that. So so I think that was that was a great smart move on our part oh. um, because all the events went went off without a hitch, hmm. uh, and we were able to um, get everything organized beforehand and put them up and. And now we we have those events, and we're gonna we're gonna cycle them into the broken pencil content. Right. Uh, right. And I know you're a big fan of that because yep. it will yep. it will generate links and and Google search hits, and and yep. it'll just be, you know, it's so it's 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 bonus product. So I would say, you know, no matter what, record everything. Right. Because you can then cut it up and and use it. Uh, for your for your magazines, uh, you know, as as interactive content, right, uh, right, and you know, and then the other thing is uh, is is ask your developers uh, about the analytics side. Because <laughs> right. Twitch, were you were you on Twitch or what were you on? Yeah, that's exactly it. We were on Twitch. Yeah, got it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a developer. Obviously, I'm not a a, a huge. Uh, a huge kind of uh, computer guy. Um, yeah. So uh, here, here comes the dog. <laughs> oh dear, the dog has noticed that there's someone in the backyard. Um, nice. Listeners, he is not an invader. He's just fixing something. Uh, <laughs> okay. So that's uh, yeah. That was Kanzine. Um Cool. And, uh, you know, I think it, even if you don't have a kind of a regular event, uh, you could do something like that online um, and and bring bring a tremendous interest to your publication. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, it was a unique setup for sure. I, I look forward to checking out the next one um, that, that you have. Well, yeah. People want to check out any of this stuff. Kanzine.ca is is where the festival lives, and of course, BrokenPencil.com is uh, is the magazine. Oh, you beat me to it! I was going to ask you where where people could reach out uh, to you. There you go, longtime publisher. You know, <laughs> I'm surprised it took me this long. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hal, thanks for sharing uh, sharing your thoughts and and wisdom uh, with with our uh, publisher audience. Uh, very very cool stuff. Um, I know you have to run and, uh, we'll, let's do this again. Maybe we'll talk uh, more virtual conferences, uh, after the next one. We'll see what it Yeah, looks. let's meet up, uh, let's meet up in, in six months or a year and, and I'm sure I'll have a lot more, uh, tales from the underground for you. I like that. Tales from the underground. Might steal that. Cool. <laughs> you can't steal that. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure I stole it from like a, you know, creepy comic from the right. 1960s. Yeah, from the crypt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Hal. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care, Peter. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Paywall Podcast. You can find us at paywallpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast player of choice, and we'll see you next episode.